Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. Should be a uh, connection card underneath the seat in front of you. You can fill that out either electronically or place it in the box in the back, which is also where we take offerings there. Also, if you've been going to church here and um, you want to know how to join, you can talk to an elder or a staff member and so forth and just figure out how to do that. Also be involved with the ministries that are taking place here. There's a lot to get involved with, children and youth and so forth. There's even beyond that, women's and men's ministries. Uh, anyway, this is a, uh, a day for us to always celebrate. Each and every day we celebrate. Um, I always, sometimes, every once in a while, come to you with what the national day of whatever is today. So it's eat a pretzel day. So you gotta eat a pretzel. And National Color Day, I have no idea what that means, but most importantly, it's National Knee Day. So I don't know what you're supposed to do on National Knee Day, but you recognize your knee, um, massage it or something or whatever, put a brace on it for some people. Uh, National Nut Day, that fits with the National Knee Day. And then uh, National Tight Ends Day, I'm talking about a tight end on a football team tight end day. But most importantly, it is National Mother-in-Law Day. I didn't know if you knew that. So I'm not sure what the deal is with National Mother-in-Law Day because every mother-in-law is also a mother and they get that whole day. So now we have a mother-in-law day. If your mother-in-law is here today, give them a big hug, unless she doesn't want you to give them a big hug. Then just Keep your distance and go from there. It, it is also National College Lunch Day. At least it is here. I don't know if anybody else celebrates it, but we are having college lunch today. And so if you're a college student and mother-in-laws are not invited, <laughs> in the gym over there, we're going to have college lunch, lunch for you uh, today. So wonderful. Let's get on with the scripture reading. John chapter 1. We're going to read uh, the same three verses as last week, 6 through 8. John chapter 1, 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you did send your light, and your light also, as believers, dwells within us to, shed, to share that light with others, that we may be lights in this world. Lord, I pray that we will submit to you, to submit to your Son, to submit to uh, your Spirit working through us. And Lord, I pray that you will use us for your glory. I pray that you will be with CF this morning, that you will give him words to say, truth spoken through your word. And we say this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. If you've got your Bibles, open it to the passage you read, John chapter 1. We're doing a study through the Gospel of John. And we're on part 2. We're looking at the passage uh, that he read, verses 6 through 8, talking about John the Baptist, about him coming. And we looked last week at who John was, it says he was a man sent from God and the unique position that John was in. 
At point of review, you know, there had been prophetic silence for over 400 years. You had uh, Malachi, and then from Malachi until John, it was 400 years, nothing. And all of a sudden, John comes on the scene. He doesn't just come normally. He comes through two parents that were past childbearing year. So he's a miraculous birth. And people begin, he's kind of starting to kindle the fire that God's doing something. God is starting to move. And he grows up, he goes out into the wilderness and begins proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His job, his responsibility, it says, was to make straight the pathway of the Lord, to make clear the pathway of the Lord. And what that means, we'll look at it in more detail a couple of weeks from now, but it means just like if you're walking into a field, there's a lot of stuff standing away. It means to clear all the brush, cut a pathway down to where people can clearly see who the person of Christ is. What was their problem? They were shrouded in religion. 400 years of prophetic silence. Their religion, the Jewish faith, had, had devolved into a works of righteousness. That's what it was. They had taken and reduced the scripture to some way that a man or a person could be right with God through their own works or efforts. It's what they had done. And so when Christ comes on the scene and he starts talking about grace, he starts talking about mercy, and he starts sitting down eating with tax collectors and sinners, well, they had already created a religion to exclude those people. They had, ex they had created a religion to exclude grace, to ex exclude mercy, and had built a religion that centered on them versus God. And so it was a shock for them when Jesus came and when John came proclaiming that truth, those people were stunned. They couldn't believe it. They said, this guy cannot be of God. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. Come on, open your eyes. God's not like that. God is like us. And that's a natural tendency of man is to create a God in his own likeness and image. That's what man has done forever. And man continues to do it. So it says John came because he was sent by God. He was sent on a mission on a, on a, with purpose and reason. And that was to reveal Christ to the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll take a look at our passage, okay? Father God, we come in prayer this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today. We ask God for your divine guidance and help. Pray, Father, that you would help me to explain your scripture clearly and accurately. And pray, Father, that each person here would receive that word. Uh, whatever background or past they have, Lord, let them see that with you there is forgiveness, there is mercy, and there is grace through the person of Christ. So, Father, we thank you for all you've done, for what you're going to do, and we pray and ask this of you in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Our passage here says, verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You're going to see the word witness just keeps popping up in this passage. It's going to pop up a lot in John. Matter of fact, 
The gospel of John is written with a specific purpose and reason in it. If you turn to chapter 20 in the gospel of John, I want to direct your attention to that purpose and reason. And it's in verse 30, John 20, 30. It says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So he tells you there's a purpose and reason. And then John's gospel is going to be written around 14 different witnesses. And one of the first that he brings right here is the witness of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to witness to him. So what does this word witness mean? It comes from the root word in the Greek, martis. They're going to put that word up there for you. Martis, and it means to be a witness. That is the word where we get our English word martyr from, okay? A martyr is one that witnesses uh, for Christ, or witnesses for God. And they're killed because of their witness. And so it takes on a little deeper meaning. But the word that is used here, if you look in verse 7, it says, this man came for a witness. That word right there, witness, is the word martyrius. He's going to put that up there, martyria. And it means witness. And then when you look down further in that passage, it says to bear witness. That's the same word, but it's a different usage of that word, martyrio. It means to testify is what it means. So you're going to see this word through here. What does it mean to witness or to testify? It means to furnish evidence or proof. So when it says that, that uh, this man came for a witness, he came to present truth and evidence, proof, if you will. And this goes in line with the whole gospel of John because John says these things are written that you may believe. And so he is proclaiming or showing us who God is. Now the word witness is used 37 times in the scriptures. 37 times in the Bible. 26 of those times it's used by John. So John, for lack of a better phrase, hogs it more than anybody else. I mean, he just take, he owns that word. All right? It's only used in 11 other places out of all 37. In addition to that, he, it's used 14 times in the gospel, four times in the epistle, and eight times in the book of Revelation. So he uses the word a lot. 26 times, 26 times out of 37 is used by John in the Bible. It's incredible. John was witnessing. John, the writer, was witnessing or telling us the truth about Christ. Now, this word witness that is used here in the passage or to testify is also a courtroom word. And what that simply means is that it was used in courts to present evidence in a case. So it couldn't be built upon opinion. It had to be factual. 
That's another characteristic of it. Had to be factual truth presented. And so he comes and he testifies. Why is that important for the Bible to present factual truth concerning God? Well, because folks, everyone in the world has an understanding about God. Everyone does. But God, to most people, is more of a concept or an idea. Y'all follow me on that? Because people say, well, I believe in God. And then you can show someone something from the scripture and they'll make a statement like this. Well, I don't think God would do something like that. But why? Because see, they have a self-conceived idea of what God is and what God does. And that can vary. That can vary widely across the spectrum. Just this week, Wednesday of this week, I went to a female, uh, one of the women's units in our system. And uh, one of the things, one of the groups of women that we house over there, we house juveniles over there that are too violent to put in the juvenile facility. They sent them to an adult facility. And a warden told me, he said, we got a new one came in yesterday. Well, I knew it because they told me at the office. And I said, let's go see her. So we went up there and saw her. And I asked her, a very young girl, and I asked her, I said, what's your spiritual life like? And her response was, what? I said, what's your spiritual life like? She goes, I don't have anything. I don't really have nothing at all. And I said, well, do you believe in God? She goes, yeah, I believe in God. I said, okay, that's a start right there. She said, matter of fact, said, I'm reading my Bible. I said, what are you reading? She said, I'm reading Ezekiel. And I said, you like that? She goes, it don't make any sense. And I said, well, how about if I tell you about God? And what I did was I witnessed from the scripture to her a right picture of who God is, the person of Jesus Christ. And then I further explained how Jesus Christ, he came into the world and he paid your debt for sin. And I explained to her what sin was, what it meant to miss the mark and all that kind of stuff. And she was just, she was locked on, just, just zeroed in. And then halfway through that presentation, tears started just pouring, streaming. She didn't start crying, but tears were just pouring down her face. And she trusted Christ. And then she was, then she was smiling. And then she was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Her whole demeanor, her whole personality changed. And the warden said, that little girl has not cried through the whole end processing, through everything. She said, she's hard, 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 hard. Indifferent. Why? She didn't know who God is. Folks, when you are in the world and you don't have any hope, and you don't have anything like that, and that girl came from a rough, rough background. And she was hard, hard as nails, man. But all of a sudden, it's like her whole countenance changed just sitting there talking to her. Why? Because of the witness of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what John did. John says, I've come to bear witness. I'm going to testify to you of, of who God is. I'm going to tell you who God is. So you look at verse 7. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Now, he uses the terminology of light here. 
who's he talking about when he says light? What is light? Well, I want you to turn to 1 John in the back of your Bible, chapter 5. Go to, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John, the little epistle in the back that the same author wrote, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. First John one five. First John one five says, This is the message which we have heard from him, and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. So Flip back over to the Gospel of John and look what it says. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. So who is he bearing witness of? God. Because God is light. The scripture tells us God is light. It doesn't mean that he bears light or he contains light, but that his very nature is light. Now, what does light mean? When, when you use a term like this, that he bears witness of the light, what is light? Well, back up a little bit to verse 5 and look what it says. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. See, when Jesus came into the world, he came into a dark world. When we talk about him being the light, he is the light in a moral sense, okay? He is also the light in a spiritual sense. He is also the light in the sense of knowledge because it's through the person of Christ that you gain moral insight, spiritual insight, and knowledge of truth. He sheds light on all that. Why? The world that he came into was shrouded in darkness. It was veiled. And so the light of God comes to put light on that. So when we say that God is light, what we're saying is that God is holy, but he's also omniscient. He's also omniscient. He knows everything. He knows exactly where that light needs to be shined. Jesus himself, if you look in John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, and if you'll look at verse 12, John 8, 12, it says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That is a proclamation of deity. You know why? Because God is light. And if you're the light of the world, you're claiming you are God. It's, it's interesting. We'll see when we get that passage. He does that during the festival of lights. And the Jews are going to be in the temple lighting a big candle up. And he says, you ain't got to fool with that candle, man. I am the light. I am the light. You don't need to type when the reality's come, brother. I'm, I'm it. And we'll see that more when we get there. But he's proclaiming, I'm God. I shed light on all things that have been darkened. And so John comes and he bears witness that. He testifies of that light. 
it says, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Why? And you have it right there in that verse seven. That word that is a henna purpose clause. And I say henna, H-I-N-A, that's the Greek word for the word that. And when you see that word, it means for this reason or for this purpose. So you would read it like this. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light for this purpose that all through him might believe. Okay? See, he came to bring Christ to the world so that man could know who God is. That's what he did. He brought this light into a dark world so that they might believe. Now, the word there for believe is another one of these words that's used a lot in John. The word believe is a major word in the gospel of John because the word believe is used 78 times. 78 times. It's only used 241 in the entire Bible. And John uses it 78 times in the gospel. He uses it 24 times in his epistle. And so when you add that up right there, that's over 100 times. That's almost half the times that it's used in scripture. It is used by John. 78 times in the gospel of John, the word believe is used. And if you took Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the word believe is only used 34 times in all three of those books combined. So it tells you something. John, the gospel of John, is a gospel for belief. If a person wants to know how do you gain eternal life, Believe on Jesus Christ. Believe in him. And these witnesses, one after another, after another, come. Why? So that all might believe in him. So that all might have faith in him. So he proclaims that truth to these people so that they might embrace Christ. That they will look to Christ for their salvation. That they will call out upon his name and realize he is our only hope. He is the light of the world. He is the light of God. He is God come in a human body to explain to the world what God is like. And John bears witness of that. So John, if you want a little thing there, John would be like a lamp. He's not the light, but he's the lamp. He's the one that holds and presents the light. And so he says, he, speaking of John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John's purpose in coming into the world was to reveal to the world who God is. And that's what he did. He proclaimed God as the light of the world. Now, if you want to Move forward here in this first chapter. Go to verse 19. Verse 19 of John 1. It says, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? 
Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? I'm not. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there's one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. Now, what does that mean? He's preferred before me, but he's coming after me. Speaks of two things. Christ was six months behind John, okay? John was born, then Christ was born. But Christ existed prior to his birth. That's why he was preferred before him. In other words, he existed before me, but he was born after me. And he's given a testimony to the pre-existence of Christ and to the incarnation of Christ. And he says, he's very God. He said, I can't even undo the sandals, uh, the straps on his sandals. And these things were done in Bethabara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And so John is bearing witness of Christ that Christ is coming in the world. He is the light of the world. He is, he is God incarnate who is coming to the world, a world of darkness. And so he says, I'm not that light, but I was sent to bear witness of that light. And when you stop and think about that, think about it from this perspective. John came into the world to bear witness of Christ. And just like John was sent to do that, every one of us in here this morning is called to do the same thing. We're called to bear the light of God. Now, there's a famous saying, you may have heard it before, and it says, preach, uh, it says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And they attribute that saying to St. Francis of Assisi. They say that St. Francis of Assisi one time in his life said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. The problem with that is this. Uh, there's no record that St. Francis of Assisi said that, but it's always attributed to him. I read it in books and hear it in sermons and stuff like that. And I'm big on doing stuff like Hey, did this really happen? You know, because it's on the internet. So it's got to be true. But when you look it up, you come to find out it's not, it's not there. There's no place anywhere that that is factually found to be from him. But it, it's a good statement, okay? And I like the statement. But the other problem with that statement is, is it's not fully true either. Because when it comes to sharing the gospel, it's going to take more than your life to do that. 
Should you live a life that proclaims the gospel? You better believe you should. But you're going to also have to use your lips. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a proclaimer? See, you preach the gospel with your life and with your lips. Takes both. That's how you proclaim truth. People have to know. They have to know what they're believing in. And what are they believing in? That Jesus Christ came into the world. He's preexistent God. He takes on a human body, incarnation. He lives out a sinless life. He goes to the cross and bears our sin for us, dies, buried, and rose again on the third day. And he says, believe on me and you will have eternal life. And what are you doing when you believe on him? You're believing that the only way to have your sins forgiven is to trust that the death of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is sufficient. And you believe on him. You hear a lot of people say, accept Christ and all this stuff. The Bible says believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is your substitute for your sin. That's where the gospel is. That he bore your sin, died, was buried, raised again, and you're trusting him only. Instead of yourself or your own goodness or any other thing, believe on him. Believe on the person of Christ. Believe in the person of Christ. Believe on the person of Christ. Put your faith in him is what the scripture teaches us. Believe in Jesus. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to look at a passage there. 1 Peter chapter 2. This speaks to our responsibility as believers also. 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to believers is who he's speaking to. Now, with the conflict going on in Israel, you hear a lot of people, you'll hear saying, people saying, well, the Jews are God's chosen people. And that's true. The Jews are God's chosen people. But in the New Covenant, God reveals something far deeper. You know what he says? You're a chosen generation. You are the people of God. That's what he says. Look at the verse. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And we got another one of those purpose clauses. Look at it. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. In verse 10. So he says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people. And we are to proclaim what God has done. What are we doing? We're just like John the Baptist. We're bearing witness to the light is what we're doing. 
It's the same author, Peter, that says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. So see, it's important to live the life, but you also need to proclaim the truth. To speak the truth is what you need to do. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Philippians 2, 14. He says, do all things without murmuring. That means complaining, grumbling, and disputing. That means arguing. That. Another one in purpose clauses that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So see, we're lights also. What light do we shine? We shine the light of Christ through our life. And we proclaim the riches of his glory to those around us. We're light bearers too. Look at Matthew chapter 5. You ever read the Bible backwards? That's what we're doing this morning. We started way on the other end and went back. Look at Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 13. Matthew 5 and 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Huh. You and I are the light of the world. How in the world can we be the light of the world? We can be the light of the world when Christ shines through us. We are his representatives here. As we saw last week, we are what? His ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Christ calls us to be light bearers, to shine that light, to reveal his truth to those around us. So just like John bears witness of the light, you and I are to bear witness of the light. Just like John testifies of the light, you and I are supposed to testify of the light. Now where does that testifying takes place? It takes place everywhere you go. takes place in your personal devotional life, first of all. Where do you spend time with your mind? Where do you spend time in the center joy of your heart? Where is that focused on? should be focused upon your relationship with Christ so that you can put light into your mind. If you're married, if you're in a marriage relationship, it's, it's expressed to the partner you're married to. Why do you treat me like this? I treat you like this because I belong to the king. You share that light. You do it where you work. You do it in your community. You do it in the church. It's everywhere you go. We are light bearers of God 
And we're to be doing everything without murmuring and complaining. Now, I know a lot of people think murmuring and complaining are fruits of the Spirit, but they aren't. <laughs> they are not a fruit of the Spirit. They are a manifestation of the flesh. And we're to live our life doing what? Bearing light, revealing light to those around us, showing others what Christ is like. What is the difference in my life? The difference in my life is Jesus Christ. And so that means we do that everywhere we go. Now, some places the darkness will not receive that light. Some places the darkness is going to react to that light. But the light is still shown because the darkness will not overcome the light. Amen. Darkness cannot overcome light. And what we need to be doing as believers is putting light into the world. Amen. People need light. They need to know the truth. The problem in our nation, folks, is not the president. The problem in our nation is the church. That's where the problem is. The problem is the church has become a place of comfort and relaxation and entertainment versus being a place where people are filled with the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God and go out into the world and shine light into the world. People have got to see a difference. You've got to make a difference. You look at our world, man. What is going to dispel the problems in our world? What's going to dispel the problems with racism in the world? Light. Shed truth on what's out there. What about all the confusion and sexuality and immorality? Light. What about hate? Light. Every problem we face is dealt with by light because Christ sheds light into all areas. Morality Knowledge, spirituality, everywhere. Light is the answer for the problems in the world. And so the, the solution to the problems in the world is light. The person of Christ. That is the only thing that's going to change the nation we live in is that we have a spiritual awakening. And the only way that's going to come about is if God brings it. And I can tell you what, he's going to bring it through his people, through his church. That's what he operates through. And the problem is the church to a great degree is in darkness. And a lot of Christians are in darkness. A lot of Christians are big at excusing unchristlike behavior. Well, you got to understand, preacher, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I dealt with. No, I don't. But I know what the Bible says. And the Bible says repent. Yep, that's right. It's very clear what the Bible says. Get off your excuses. Get off your carnality and start living the word and living truth and being light to those that are around you. Amen. Instead of being a dark, gloomy, condemning, hateful selfish person repent and stop thinking that's okay and start bearing light and run the risk of being talked about and run the risk of being ridiculed, but be light, be light. Go back to your first love. Go back to Christ. 
Rearrange your priorities and realize my life is centered on Christ. My responsibility is to be a light bearer. I need to start bearing light. God forgive me for putting my light under a bushel. God forgive me for not being salt. God forgive me for not being what you've called me to be. Because it says, John came into the world that he might bear witness to the light. God redeemed you and me that we might bear witness of the light. That's what he's called us to do. That's our responsibility. That's our job. What are we going to do? What are you going to do for your area where you are? I hope you make the decision to bear light. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your love toward us. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings of this life and for all that you've given us and all that you've done for us. And Father, I, I pray that we would bear witness to the light. God, we need it. Our city needs it. Our county needs it. Our state, our nation needs it. But yet you tell us that, that the power of God is dwelling in earthen vessels. Father, might we bear witness to that light in the world that we live in and be a source of hope and strength to others a source of uplifting, a source of comfort, a light of God in a world of darkness. Let us be that. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen.